Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. And all right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, December 4th, 2014. Uh, you might be able to tell I'm still kind of fighting a little cold, but doing a lot better than uh, I was a few days ago anyway, so I'm going to try not to cough in anybody's ear here. Uh, welcome to everybody uh, coming on the lines here on from Arkansas, Wisconsin, New York, North, North Carolina, and that's as far as I've got. <laughs> I didn't get quite get to uh, finish the entire list but welcome to another round of trucking open forum round table we'll all get just kind of sit around and talk about the issues facing drivers and the industry as well and we put up some ideas there some of the ones that are are kind of the uh, biggest news going on right now the uh, cdl exemption request by cr england to fmcsa for example requesting that uh, those with a cdl learner's permit be allowed to drive solo uh, your thoughts on that? Cameras facing inside the truck. They want to watch you. So uh, put up a few little things up there. And, Donna, that one, that, that CR England request is interesting because whether you stand on it or not, it kind of falls right into line with uh, our North American Trucking Alerts website, um, the awareness, accountability, and action. Uh, you know, we're, we're aware of the issue, you know, who's accountable, and what action will you take uh, you know, whether you're for it or against it, but it kind of falls right along with those lines, don't you think? Well, it really does, and I think it's the whole idea of uh, <clears throat> of awareness, you know. Uh, well, first of all, you know, for those who just heard about it, I, I guess to explain further, it's after they get their, uh, graduate from uh, CDL school and they take the skills test, uh rather than have the the trainer sit right next to them uh they're requesting that the the trainer would would not have to do that that they could almost kind of drive team back to the driver's home state to get his uh his his hard copy of his license go to the DMV and so forth so it's not exactly like solo but it sort of is if the trainer's in the back seat sleeping and, um, it, you know, a lot of people are complaining, well, they shouldn't even be with a trainer, you know, who who's only been training for three months anyway. And now you're saying, well, they don't even have to be in the seat. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot to talk about tonight with that. But, yeah, uh, accountability for sure um, <clears throat> is what the North American Trucking Alerts is all about. And uh, we'll see. We'll see about this tonight. I know there's a lot of people that um, said they want to talk about this. Yeah, no, I thought it was solo. It's uh, not. 
well, it's solo if the if the if the trainer um, isn't sitting next to them. You know what I mean? What they're calling for is for them not to have to uh, be be right there in the next seat. Uh, you know, so it, it's it's kind of like a little slippery thing, but. I know a lot of people have a, a lot of different thoughts on this, and they're pretty angry anyway. So, uh, Well, we'll just see. We'll see where it goes. Just open form. Uh, the hands are popping up here. So we have, uh, let's see who we have here so far. From Arkansas, Wisconsin, Vermont, North Dakota, New York, North Carolina, Illinois, still coming in. A uh, few people there are popping up there in the chat room. Appreciate it. So, all right, we'll take a quick break. Be right back. We'll, we'll just jump in immediately with your calls. On this Trucking Open Forum Roundtable on Truth About Trucking Lives. Uh, we will be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, Ready Porter. Man, it's crowded tonight. Care if I join you? Sure, have a seat. Sorry about the paperwork. <laughs> Name's Cole. Appreciate it. I'm Harlan, by the way. Here's a fill-up for you guys. Thanks, honey. Harlan, you look hungry. What can I get you? I'll have a Coke and whatever he's having. Back in a bit. What are you doing with all this paperwork, driver? Looks like you're tripping over your trip sheets. Want to get a jump on these taxes before they jump me. There is a better way to manage your trucking paperwork. With TripSheetCentral.com, you're a login away from tracking every aspect of your business. TripSheetCentral.com organizes your information easily so you can see how your business is performing. That sounds easy. And it's fast. Time-consuming paperwork is eliminated with a low-cost monthly subscription. I no longer have to worry about invoices, settlement reports, or fuel tax returns. TripSheetCentral.com does that for me. Manage your business information securely with TripSheet Central. Visit TripSheetCentral.com at your next stop. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. 
All right, welcome back, Trucking Open Forum Roundtable. Uh, Donna, are we ready just to hit the lines or anything you want so. to come in? Okay, we'll just take them in order. It's open forum, so I kind of like this opening all the lines at once. So let's see who we have. Our hands are up. Uh, scroll down here. I think this is uh, Les in Arkansas, uh, area code uh, 479. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. Okay, I got it right. And I think this might just be Jeff, uh, area code 920, Wisconsin. Jeff, is that you? Yes, it is. Hello, Alan. All right, hey, welcome to the show. And by the way, oh. just, uh, as, as, a, as a good husband always knows, your wife is right. <laughs> it's it's <No. laughs> a team operation back in their home. Okay, I guess I read it wrong. I thought they were going to try to get them to the get them to their home state to get their CDL, but but um, oh well, you know. Yeah, I did too. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Dallas probably right. I I looked it up. I got it in front of me in Dallas. Dallas is right. Well, and and let me tell you, I thought it was solo too, and um, I was on the phone with Tom Kirk. And you know, so it it was really you know if you when you first read that. That's what it sounded like to me and to a lot of people. Uh, I know I could tell by the comments from people that they assume that. But even so, uh, even even you know, with the trainer sleeping in the back bunk, I mean, it, it's still a little ridiculous. But we can get all into that. Yeah. Let me. Okay. Let me go to uh, open up the lines for Vermont area code eight zero two. Welcome to the show. Who we got? Oh, oh come on, open up. All right, Vermont, area code 802. Who we got here? Uh, it's John Allen. Oh, hey, John. All right, welcome. And this might be Deb, North Dakota, area code 701. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to recognize these now. And uh, one more. The hands keep popping up. New York, area code 607. I know who that welcome is. Welcome to the show. Donna mentions my name, so of course I have to raise my hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Donna, who is this? That's Tom Kerr. That's what I thought, Tom. <laughs> all right, so, all right, everybody's line's open. Let me scroll down here. Everyone else is listening. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you listening. Uh, Les, you were the first up, but, again, everybody's line is open, so just feel free to jump in. So, uh, trucking open forum, where you want to take us, Les? Um, just, uh, I'm going to refer to uh, Jeff Clark. Uh, I've seen his piece, his article he wrote. Um, the end around, and um, I'll just uh, let Jeff Clark go first. Okay, Jeff, go ahead. And that's exactly what I think this is. And as drivers, what we are looking at, and, and, and I have a problem with the um, with with particularly the trucking school and a training company with and a trade. I think trucking companies should be trucking companies, and schools should be schools. And, and right. I have a problem with them coming both one is one is each. But what I'm looking at it, it, it's time to come to pay for the business model of the two hundred percent turnover rate. And mm-hmm. um and that's what's happening is the two hundred percent turnover rate that they've been churning and, and the biggest lie in the industry is that we don't recruit enough drivers. Mm-hmm. The the truth is that we don't keep enough drivers. Right, and, and, and you know, I'm glad you called it a business model 
I, I mean, that's a key word that I think a lot of people miss. But go ahead. I didn't mean to, mean to miss, uh, you know, interrupt you. No, but, but but that's basically what what's happening. Is we've seen companies that are basically running their companies and their business models. It's a highly profitable business model. Is the two hundred percent turnover rate, where they basically get uh, indentured servants mm-hmm. out here um, and train them, and uh, and it's time to come. The time has come to pay the piper, and they're trying to kick the can down the road. Um, well, it's it's amazing they, that um, they they cry about driver shortage, and I mean. It, it's so obvious. Everybody sees that it's an industry-created shortage. I mean, I was just reading one of Alan's old articles uh, today. The I think Alan, I think it's even titled "The Industry-Created Driver Shortage" or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, we all know this, and they they must know it too. But what is the reason that they don't want to be accountable or acknowledge uh, this as the problem? Economics. The, um, oh. the word economics. And they, what they're trying to do is they're trying to increase the supply of drivers. And and what's happening is, is the idea that the, the turnover rate that we have in this industry, and right now the average truck driving career lasts 3.2 years. The average National Football League career lasts 3.5 years. And what I did is I looked at the model of of my truck driving school graduating class, such as it was 12 of us, and the first 11 averaged about a year, and I've been here in this industry since 1988 or 26 years. And that brings the average to 3.2. But wait a minute. We've we've knocked 11 out of 12 driving school graduates out of the industry in the first couple of years. And it's, you know, if he took a a median rather than a mean, an average, the median might be down to a year as far as truck driving school graduates before they leave the industry. And this has been going on for a long time. I mean, this isn't anything new. And, and Alan, I'm going to... ask you if you remember when when we first brought this up this was years and years ago i mean i don't know how many years ago 10 and uh there we got a lot of flack from people in the industry um there was no social media or anything like that but the articles that he kept pumping out and alan kept pumping out and the the blog posts and ezine and the examiner and all that but anyway they would come back and say things like, you don't know what you're talking about. Do you know how much <coughs> Excuse me, it costs to bring a driver in? It costs thousands of dollars. Nobody would do that. Nobody would bring a driver in just to, you know, so that they would leave and all this. So, I mean, that's that's the reply that I remember. I don't know if it's still the reply, but it was the... Right, Well, well, they all kind of faded away, though, because, I mean, if you just stick to the truth and facts, which is what we did, I mean, I took a lot of slack because I was the only one saying it at the time. I was the only one, really, that was getting getting it out there to the media, you know. I mean, there was a few little forums here and there, but but then we came back with, you know, well, this is how the, 
government subsidies work. This is how much. I mean, we. I came up with a thing where, I mean, they were they could get up to like fifty thousand dollars for a student from the government. I mean, it was just something ridiculous. So, I mean, eventually it just faded away because you know, as Fred Schaffner told me once, you know, you can't you can't argue with truth. Truth is truth. But it's like Jeff is saying, you know, it's all economics. I mean, this, this, this. Why do you think a lot of these companies got into CDL training? I mean, it's very lucrative. You know, there's some good money in there. Let me open up line uh, Texas area code two one zero. This might be Jeff. Is, Jeff, is that you? Yes, it is. How you guys doing this evening? Hi, Jeff. Hey, we're good. Okay, everybody, line is open, but, but. Um, Anyway, Don, I don't know where you were going, but well, I mean I that, it, it that, all it all yeah. kind of faded away. I mean, yeah, I took a lot of blasting there for a while, but we just hung on, and eventually everybody just kind of faded away because I mean they couldn't argue with the truth, and then social media really took off, and everybody else came along with their expertise and their articles, and you know writing what I was writing and adding to it and and eventually they just kind of disappeared because you know like like Fred said you can't argue with truth yeah yeah but I tell you it was rough for us in the beginning um I mean really very hateful hateful emails we got um from a lot of people so you have no idea how refreshing it is to have so many intelligent people talking about this now <laughs> it's like the troops come in you know <laughs> well it just all you know Alan, depends one on thing that i wanted to uh one thing that i wanted to this is les willis one thing that i wanted to inject here as far as uh cr um okay we got it, i don't know uh hold on just a second les i don't know if anybody has their volume up we're getting a lot of lot of feedback from your volume. If you can turn it okay, down a little it might, bit, it might, it might be me because of where I'm at. I'm in a restaurant right now. Uh, try to turn mine down momentarily to see if it's mine. If it is, I can hang up and always call later. Uh, well, let's just see how it goes. Okay, but anyway, go ahead, Les. Yeah, the one thing that uh, I wanted to talk about with uh, CR England and and their uh, federal notice that, uh, for FMCSA was. When you actually look at the logistical side of things that um, CR England has as far as their training facilities, they're in a partnership with Premier Truck Driving Schools. Um, When you look at it, they've got um, training facilities in Burns Harbor, Indiana, Dallas, Texas, Fontana, California, Richmond, Indiana, Salt Lake City, Utah. So when you look at the logistics of this, basically what CR England is trying to do is trying to take a driver that's actually a CLP holder that doesn't have a CDL yet and actually put him behind the wheel and have him navigate uh, down the the interstates. Um, The other thing that we need to actually take a look at, um, because everything is geared – you just follow the money. If you follow the money, you'll find your answer. Um, the one thing that we, we really need to look at is in the last two years, CR England has actually had 20 fatalities for the last two years. And this I'm just going off of FMCSA's uh, report, and I think their last audit was in August. But you're looking at 20 fatalities. Lord knows that that number is going to go up. 
they've mm-hmm. they've got four to over forty eight hundred pieces of equipment. They've logged well over five hundred and eighty two million miles in the year of twenty thirteen. So to sit there and say that it's going to be some type of economical and it would be advantageous for them economically, sure it is. But basically what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to take the driver or the truck and make it into a team truck instead of a single driver as a driver trainer sitting in the front seat while the CLP holder takes his training from the trainer. So and and they, I mean, they've been doing that do. for that. Well, they've been doing that anyway, but now they just want to do it earlier. I mean, this is like the model for all training companies that people are up in arms about. Um, that you know, you've got a brand new driver out of a school that is just a mill most of the time anyway, and they really don't know how to drive because they don't have the experience. It takes experience. So now you have them driving team rather than really training, okay, because at some point that trainer has to sleep. And uh, so really it is, that is all it is, is team. And and this well, was brought thing, up, I believe, in the listening sessions well, the over remember, uh, at uh, Matt's. Right. The other thing is is that when you look at their training that CR England uh, established, they offer a 17-day training program. After the 17 days, they actually go into what they call a phase one training to where they have to actually log 20,000 miles in 30 days um, while they have a trainer in the front seat. So basically, CR England is trying to get away from running that truck as a single operator and go to a team operation. That way, they get their money back as far as running a team truck. So basically, this Uh, is all that they're trying to do is avert – um, the CSR and actually make the CLP holder an actual CDL holder. So it, basically, if you go into the uh, into the weigh station, the, the guys the the uh, weighmaster is going to look at you and say, "You got a CDL? Oh no, I've got a CLP. Uh, no, uh, you don't have a CDL. Oh well, I left it in the truck, or I left my medical card in the truck, or whatever." I'm sorry, you don't have a CDL. So it's just another way for, C- for CR England to, uh, to uh, try to uh, get around um, having to take these drivers back to their, their domicile and having them actually get their state-issued CDL, and therefore they can run the truck as a team operation instead of a single operation. That's my gist of what I've seen so far. I would just encourage everybody uh, that's on the call, go to the FMCSA website, comment, you know, make your voice be heard. This is um, uh, this is just an overreach for CR England to try to avert the, the safety that we all um, try to achieve on a daily basis. Yeah, and go uh, and leave it. Go ahead. Who is this? This is Tom. Hey, go ahead, Tom. Uh, I think it's a simple situation because if you listen to what CR England is saying is they don't want to take a, 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 a student driver or, or, uh, or student from New York State, fly them to Indiana, Texas, wherever, train them, fly them back home to get their, you know, the, the, rest, the rest of their CDL, and then 
all of a sudden a local company snap them up. Well, there's kind of a simple way on this. If you don't want to do that risk, one, you can pay them a little bit more, pay them an incentive to come back. Uh, but a simple thing is if you really don't want to uh, do this thing, set up requirements where that basically you have to go to the school in the state that your license is going to be issued in. So if you're going to have your license issued from the state of New York, you don't go to a school in Texas. And that's just a real simple solution for England and a lot of these companies. There's no need to do, a, do an exemption then if, this, if you have to go to school in the state that your license is issued from. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean you're, yeah, you're right. Especially as large as they are, they should be able to do that. And it's the action, uh, like Les was saying, the, <clears throat> the action, you know, we talk about the awareness, accountability, and the action. The action that can be taken is to go to the FMCSA website and submit your uh, comments, which I think, uh, Donna, uh, have until December 29th, right? Yeah, I think that's what it said. Yeah, so that, that's the action there. We're both over here coughing. and. <laughs> yeah, let me, try to, let me try to pull Jeff back up. He kind of keeps jumping on and off. But I just get too much noise. I had to mute him. But Jeff, you're back on. If, if you know, if I can just, yeah, if it sounds a little bit yeah, quieter I'm, now. Yeah, I'm just gonna go uh, real quick here. What I wanted to say is, uh, yeah, some of you guys that have been here for a long time, like I have, I remember a company out of Montana that had hands, uh, reefers, and flatbeds. I um, think it was uh, Walking Shepherd. They were doing basically the same thing that Sierra England is wanting to do, where they were putting two. Uh, students uh, that have never been with a trainer in there to run a team together. I mean, they were talking about, like, put them out on the road uh, for about uh, two or three weeks in that situation or something to that effect before they turn loose on their own. So, uh, and, and in all reality, it's something that's not new, but it hasn't happened in quite a while um, because of the change of regulations. But, we, you know, from a safety standpoint, we do need to uh, – get off our asses and make comments about this. There's going to be a lot of drivers that will verbally complain about, but you know what, just like with the hours of service proposal and stuff, we have very yeah. few people actually uh, submit comments for that, but we need to get off our bus and say something this time around. Well, I, I have a question for all of you. Um, so at, what is the procedure then? Um, when you get your, your per, permit, your, you pass the skills test, and I'm assuming that's a state skills test and not the school's t- skills test i mean because that's not clear either but okay let's assume it's a state skills test so the only thing then you're missing is the hard copy uh of that license and and this is where i'm stuck so you does that mean you have to go to your home state dmv to get that hard copy is is that the procedure yeah i mean they're 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 going to want you i mean you have to be uh they're going to want you to be licensed from your home state. You, know? okay. you also so, have to attach your medical card to it. You have to attach your medical certification to it, too. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so, well, how, you know, so. How do you go get ahead. your mental certification without, a, uh, without the CDL? How do you get it with just a permit? How do you oh, get what? what the, how do you get a medical card if you only have a learner's permit? I think you get your medical card usually when you get your medical card before you actually go to driving school. Yeah, you'll have your medical I card. I mean, it it may not be for two years. You know, it might be you know it might be for a shorter time until you get your CDL. But uh, you will, ha- yeah, you will have your medical card. 
I thought as well. you could do it only issue them after you had your license because they had a uh, uh, I thought they had to put your driver's license number on you and I think that um I don't know. I, I, yeah. If I remember so correctly, Alan, so you do have to get your uh, medical card before they let you behind the wheel. But I think it's a 90-day card. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, or, I couldn't or, remember. Or six, I, or six months. I may be wrong on that, yeah. but pretty much however long your learner's permit is good for, that's how long your medical card is good for, if I remember correctly. No, I think you're right. Yeah, it's just, it's just a shorter time, and then you know, then then you know. When you get your CDL, your hard copy, and then you go back and you get your uh, your medical card for the two years. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It is just you know, it's just temporary. But you have to have that even with a permit. But uh, I'll open up the lines to Florida, uh, area code seven two seven. Welcome to the show. Hello there, Mr. Allen. Hello, who's this? I'm Tom and Galdi. Hey, Tom. Hey, welcome to the hey. show. Okay. And we've got all our NADA authors on tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every, uh, In all the lines are still card, open. Your medical Go ahead. card is basically standalone. Uh, i got to turn Jeff's line off. It's too noisy. Anyway, go ahead. Your medical card is almost standalone. Uh, when you go get a medical card, uh, it, you can get the two years because it's, it does, has nothing to do with your license. You're required to have it for your license, but you can get DOT certified and never, ever get a CDL. Uh, and each state runs the license difference. Like Prime, you can go to Prime and get a learner's permit with Prime. They use their the home terminal as a temporary address. You get your license through Prime. You are legally licensed with a temporary address in the state, and then they eventually get you back to your state where you transfer your license over. Some states require that you have a license for six months before you can transfer it. Others will let you transfer it right away just because of the way they do things like that. Each state has its own rules when it comes to that. And Florida doesn't even require you to have an address in Florida to get a Florida license. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I, I have issues. I have issues with the state of Florida and how they do things with their driver's license. Do not get me started. Yeah. I yeah. I remember your ordeal. Holy cow. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, and it's that, just that it's just safety director. It, you know, it's it's just not C C R England either. You know, I mean these these large carriers with these schools. Uh, I mean you. Uh, I was doing a little research online, so I, I just I just did a Google search for uh, CR England jobs. Let's see, what did I type in? CR England job reviews, and then I went to the link with Indeed.com, and I was reading all the comments from drivers that had gone through this thing, and I mean they were absolutely you know most of them were just you know terrible comments you know, and uh, I typed in. Uh, Pam Transport and CRST and Indeed.com. You hear, you know, you can you can read all the comments from these drivers and everything. So you know, when when they come in here and say that you know they're doing it for the betterment of the of the driver, uh, it's kind of hard to believe when when you read about the comments that's all over the internet by these drivers that kind of went through these schools, but. And 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 let me just interject on that. It's just not CR England. I mean, you That's go to, I mean. you can type in pretty much any training school, 
and um, well, there's the a few good ones. But the, the large, the large carriers with their schools. That's that. That was kind of my point. If you type that in, type in their name and jobs reviews, and go to the Indeed.com, uh, and you know there's some good things, you know, but those you can kind of read between the lines. But the majority of the comments. And it all has to do with driver treatment, the way they treat their drivers. So when they come back like this exemption and say, you know, this, is, this will help the driver, help the driver, it's hard to believe, Donna, when those comments are on Indeed.com like they are. Right, right. I mean, you know, but, you know, it's like everybody. And the FMCSA, come on, you know, they're not stupid. I mean, they, they, they know that that's just how it needs to be written in order to even have a, a chance in hell to get it through. Uh, so anyway, um, but what I find more incredible than anything is at a time when the, FM, the FMCSA is, is being put in a, in a very uh, forced position to come up with a rule. They've got that reg neg, and they're asking for input, and, and they're kind of like, oh, my God, what do we do? Um, and, and they need to come up with strict, stricter standards. And this comes up, and it, it just blows my mind that that what poor timing this could be, right, at a time when they're actually looking to make things stricter. So I almost thought, well, maybe this is just a strategy move. I, I don't know. To it's management's misguided thoughts that we're we don't need training. Uh, I've said this before. You know, the the owners of the, will buy new trucks and they'll drive them around the parking lot and realize how easy it is to drive that truck. They say, well, what do we need a skilled driver for? We can put anybody can drive this truck. They forget all the nuances. I've said it over and over again. What keeps us from getting in accidents, uh, road awareness, uh, exit and entry awareness, all the little things we do to keep these trucks from getting in accidents, they don't see when they drive that little RV-like truck around the parking lot. So they say, you know what, we don't need skilled drivers. We don't need skilled drivers. Let's just get anybody in the seat. And and and, that, and they don't understand the value of a driver with experience. They slowly pull well, them out and get the the new guy in. Well, what I but, find uh, unbelievable is there's no stats out there for fatal crashes or or any kind of crashes from new drivers and let's say drivers you know with less than a year experience. Um, I have brought this up a few times on our shows. And if anybody can find stats like that, you know, the I wish they would. Them. The when companies work, have them. When I worked in the corner, and, 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 uh, and, and there's another outfit of it, they both have the same thoughts in their heads. This is the logic. The logic is a student driver gets into a fender bender, and an experienced driver will roll over a truck. That's their thought process. So they figure, okay, well, we'll just we'll have a bunch of fender menders because they're cheap. Those are accidents we can survive. Nobody gets hurt in them. That's their logic. Uh, call, call any training department. They'll tell you that same thing. New drivers, because they're cautious and careful, this is their thought process. If they're cautious and they're careful, they're, they're more likely to just get into a gentle accident, just a fender bender. That's all you'll hear from them. And, and that logic is stuck because the, the training departments won't grow up and, and, and the, the managers won't grow up. All they want to see is what they get to get a person in the seat. And it costs okay. 
Well, another thing I think the companies need to be aware of too, when you look at the difference between a new driver and a a skilled skilled or experienced driver, is customer service. Because hopefully, if you have an experienced driver who's happy in in the industry and satisfied with the industry, they're going to be a very positive face, which can in some cases help or save accounts. I mean, I've had situations where I've I've went into customers and said. Uh, you know, have offered to do go above and beyond, you know, moving trailers or whatever. They're like, oh, we had another one of your drivers in here a few days ago. And yeah, when we asked him to move something out of our way, he just gave us all kinds of attitude, et cetera, et cetera. So we really appreciate this. And, you know, that once again reflects positively on the, on the company because I think what a lot of these executives forget is the driver is the public face. You can make all kinds of promises in the corporate office, but if you don't have the right drivers with the right attitudes uh, that are happy with your company, they're the ones that can make and break you with the customer because they're that public face. Could not have been better said. Well, I, I just hope, like, One thing uh, that like go ahead. One thing that I find interesting, Donna, uh, sorry to interrupt you, is we have heard nothing from AAOO. We have heard nothing mm-hmm. from OIDA. It's uh, something strange about this. I don't know if they've commented yet or not, but it's kind of strange that we haven't heard anything. I just thought I would throw that out there. Well, it, it is strange, and um, I tried looking for it. I couldn't find anything, and, uh, you know, I, I don't even know why. I would think they would be incredibly up in arms over this uh but you know who knows i i i i'm assuming they are and they're just taking their time to uh put it all together and they do that a lot they'll i mean you have a have until december 29th and they'll kind of do a little fact you know fact finding and everything before they uh i i tend to notice before they start jumping on something yeah i hope so you know, so my, my, my. My question then would be: uh, Swift has already been known to run a trainer, trainer and a trainee, then through a, a period of time, and then take two trainees and run them as a team for more learning experience. Uh, depending on the time frame, are they not doing the same thing? What do you mean? I mean, this is taking somebody with just a, 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 a learning permit and a skills test certificate out. I mean, they don't even have their hard copy or, or anything, and they're allowed to drive while the drive while the trainer's in the in the bunk. What they were saying was that they they had a temporary CDL is what it is. What that's what I had read in the article. I, they're still licensed, even if it is temporary. They're not not a lot. It's not a learner's permit. They 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 have they they pass the skills test and have a temporary license. Again, it's, it, you're you're saying the hard copy, but wherever they pass the skills test, they issue the license. Do they not? So that's well, that's the key is, is who issued them the license. Right. Right. But what, what what my worry is that the company that's doing the training, if the training school and the trucking company are the carrier of the same entity. They've got a serious vested interest in passing the driver, whereas sure. the state doesn't. And that's what we don't know. When they say they've passed the skills test, does anybody know? Do they mean a state?
skills test or the training company or the school's skills test? Because if it's just and, that. And that's the major contention right there because they, like I said, I worked for Warner. Many, many students go to Hastings, Nebraska, even though it's not a, a Warner school. They went to that school, got their license in Nebraska, and then they just made their way home and had their license transferred. Um, but they were actual licenses. Again, Warnergate uses the main terminal as a home address, a temporary home address, mailing address. So does Prime. Okay, and these two I know from experience. Anything more than that, I don't. Uh, but it, again, it depends on how a state issues a license, what the requirements are to hold the license. Uh, some states you must have a residency of a certain period of time. Other states, all you have to do is show you have some kind of PO address, and they'll issue you a license. So it's going to depend on the state. I think what they did here is open up a can of worms they could have bypassed by following other companies. Um, and, and, and they made a mistake, and it may be beneficial because it will be, if, if they don't get what they want, which is what we're hoping, then the rest of the schools that are playing these games, again, we get better drivers in the long run if they don't get this through because they're going to start looking at, at, at Warner and they're going to start looking at crime and seeing how much are they slipping in under the wire. Well, well, I want it. So the the question is: so is it a state? It has to. Be, it has to be a state issue. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little confused about that. I thought years ago. I mean, you used to you used to take a road test, and and you didn't get your license, and you took a state uh, a road test with a uh, motor vehicle test, examiner. Yes. How do they do it now? Do they still do all that? Or you say private companies can issue a skills test, and that's acceptable along with something. And I'll back that one now. Florida allows outside testing. When I took my road test in Florida, I had a, I had a, I had my chauffeur's license, and to take my road test, I went to a beer distributor, borrowed their truck, paid them a hundred dollars, and took a road test through a beer distributor. Um, that was an outside test. Who, who did the examination? No. Do you have a, uh, a, a an uh, actual exam- employee of the beer distributor? It was an outside so test. So you don't even you don't even need a, you don't even need a state examiner now. It depends on the state. New York does not do that. New York, you must use a state examiner. Each state has its own set of rules, and that's another thing that must be addressed, is there should be a more standardized testing state to state. Well, that's what that part of this whole thing with the FMCSA is, with the stand, because there aren't really any standards, and these are all the questions that, that need to be addressed. So, Well, the, what, what, he's, what he's talking about in Florida is uh, – they're they're licensed as a third party CDL skills test. Yes. And and that's that's like the company right down the road here. Right. Over you know that we did when we had our moving company. Uh-huh. We would send them over there, and they would pass the CDL skills test. But then they had to go to the DMV to get their license. Right. right. So you're that's talking about a you're talking about a third party CDL. That's that's. Yeah, we've got one of those just right down the road. But go ahead, Donna. I didn't want to. Oh well, no, I was uh, see because I'm I'm confused and and I don't know if anybody else is confused. So it hasn't been established then what kind of a skills test that they're passing. Okay, I mean, it, it, does anybody know for sure that uh, in the exemption when they speak about a driver who has passed the skills test that if they're talking about the school skills test, third party, I'm go- uh, state. I'm, I'm going to be willing to bet they're talking about the, their school skills okay. test. So that's scary because right. that opens the door for Billy Bob's $100 um, 
three-day school, okay? And, and you know, and now you can just uh, go how? I don't know. With a with a trainer and sleeping in the back. I mean, it's just scary to me. You it's know, so scary. Know, the, other th- the other thing that, uh, you know, if anybody asked me to be a trainer, <laughs> I'd be a little weary about sleeping in the bunk while a guy that doesn't even have his license yet is driving the truck. So I don't know where to get in these trainers huh? from or what the quality of these trainers are. Let um, me open up uh, <clears throat> Let me open up line uh from North Carolina, area code seven zero four. Welcome to the show. Who do we got here? Henry Albert, how are you doing? Hey Henry. What? Thanks for holding on. What? And li- listeners from uh, Missouri, Montana and elsewhere, thanks for listening. I have one I have one line here that's show- showing a bunch of ones and that's either a private caller or international call. And uh, I don't have very good luck with those numbers, so I'm I'm uh, I'm not going to be answering that line. If you're calling from a private line, I like to know in advance. So anyway, I apologize for that. But Donna, you know those uh, those kind of numbers we haven't had very good uh, no. uh, luck with. So I'm going to pass on that. But Henry, your line's open, and whoever was talking, uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, that was me, Alan. I'm just curious uh, how they find these trainers to train these guys, you know, because I wouldn't feel too comfortable sleeping behind somebody who has no experience driving. I mean, so, uh, you know, you, I, we're, you we're know, talking about, uh, you know, skills for drivers, and that has to be a criteria, too. There should be a certain level for trainers. They should have a standardized course they have to go through. Cause you're, I, I watch trainers pick up a student tell them to drive and wake me up in eight hours. Have no concept of what that student is capable. I, I trained for two and a half years, had 32 students. I slept behind one. And that student was with me for two and a half, uh, to two, almost two and a half months. And, and it was before I could sleep behind him, and it was catnapped. I don't understand how anybody could sleep behind anybody else. I'm not a team driver. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, uh, there, 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 there should be a criteria. You know, even for trainers, there needs to be a, a set of skills that need to be passed. So, uh, yes. Alan, <laughs> this is Henry. You know, you got to go back to where the third-party training started. When they, when they switched it over to where it became a CDL, most of the state licenses agencies got so overwhelmed at that time point is when they started allowing the third-party testing. And I did mine the old-fashioned way yet that I look at, and I went on a Friday and got my permit, studied the 37 pages of the North Carolina driving manual, and the carrier with that didn't have any other drivers, so there wasn't going to be any training. Uh, went that next week, and I had my CDL as far as state was concerned, I was good to go. Of course, I had to pass their whole skills test, and it was pretty tough to go through. But um, the, the thing of the matter is, when you have the third party is the truck line, what incentive do they have to not pass them? I know we had somebody else go from where I worked when we got another truck, and it took them four shots to pass the state test. So... You know, it's changed. It's changed a lot. I still remember when I started at all the area truck lines where I went around, it was everybody wanted you to be three years 
experience and 23 years old, or the sign said you need not apply. We've so far from that now that it's, that it's ridiculous. But the thing to be known is when these people, when they do this training, a lot of it is finishing school. They got their CDL. If you have your CDL, as far as the government's concerned, you're qualified. Mm-hmm. What do you really think, Henry, about this? Uh, what what do you, you think about your, this exemption? I do and, not agree with it on the simple fact. If I pull into the scale and I left my CDL at home, guess what? I don't have my CDL. Mm-hmm. Period. It just is what it is. I mean, wow, invest that much in the driver to run with them as a team. Not as a team, but, you know, with the trainer yet, back to their home area so they can get their license. To me, that's – invest a little bit in your driver at that point. And, you know, the excuse Well, they're saying that, that – they, Well, they, the, the excuse is that they say so they can start paying the driver right away. Well, you can choose to pay the driver whenever you want to start paying them. Right. But they're saying that that skills test certificate will be valid, or is that part of the exemption uh, request? Well, that skills test means that the third part is they passed. It's just like you passed your state exam. So all you don't have is the license in your hand. Right. Well, yeah, let me open that what Henry was saying is that um, when you look at these schools, um, I do know that Dallas, Texas schools, they, they have a certificate of approval from the Texas Worker, uh, Workforce Commission, um, and it's uh, geared towards their school. So CR England, you know, CR England, a trucking company, but the schooling that they use is probably is the third party, but CR England owns, called Premier Partner Driving School. So uh, that, just to expand on what Henry was saying. Uh, let me open up line. Let let me open up line. Um, uh, area code five seven three, Missouri. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alan, how are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm good. I can barely hear you. Who's this? This is Alan. Alan. Okay, welcome to the show. Your line. Your line is open. Uh, uh, okay, boy, I've just got lights and bells and whistles all going off all over the place. Well, anyway. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Alan. Did you want have any uh, anything you wanted to add to? I don't know how long you've been listening, but uh, jump on in here if you'd like. Well, I've been listening from the very beginning, but first of all, you know, I I don't have any uh, criteria for FMCSA whatsoever. Uh, they say they're out to for all to make safety for all people in the roads and highways, and I, I know that uh, they try and they've shut some companies down that need to be shut down, but this going needs to be shut down completely. First of all, my opinion is no trucking company needs to be involved in any of the schooling whatsoever. And second of all, it should be the same no matter what state you're in. Everybody should have to take the same test. Everybody should have to take the same amount of hours. So that way, it doesn't matter if you're in Alaska or if you're in Florida or if you're in New York. You've got the same test, and, and it should be where trucking's different today than when I started. It's different equipment. It's a lot better equipment. It's it. In fact, that's the problem. That's the reason we're they're saying driver fatigue and a lot of accidents and stuff. It could be 
And the reason why is because you're sitting in a limousine anymore. It has all the bells and whistles. Way back there, we were either having to shift or, or, or your truck was leaning or, it, I mean, compared to when I started, compared to today, you got a totally different creature. And to tell, first of all, to stop all the problems, pay the driver. You get a wage up there like pilots. Your airplane pilots, look what they make a year. But look at the training they have to go through to get that. Your truckers aren't to be the same way. Because equipment changes every year. And now it's changing faster and faster and faster. Do you not believe that, Alan? Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, 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 I happen to be a pilot. I don't know if the... The level of skill would, you know, is a, a is a good match. But I've written about that too, you know, about how, what pilots have to go through and what drivers have to go through, and and I see the correlation there. But no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think the biggest problem is uh, this, you know, these these large carriers, especially starting their own schools. I mean, it, there's. It's it's just a good it's just a good business to be in, and having these schools have just kind of taken over the priority when it comes to uh, to uh, CDL training standards and safety. You know, Donna, we talk about that a lot. And it seems like you know everybody's on the bandwagon with uh, with safety now, and and they understand it. And I, that's why I'm I said before, it's so ironic that this exemption comes at a time when everybody's screaming more standards. It has to make you think, you know, what are they doing? I mean, is is this a some kind of strategy to lessen, you know, the blow of whatever comes down the pike or, you know, to put a um a stumbling block in it? I, I don't know. I, I always think, you know, there's gotta be a reason. I mean when when things when the whole industry is concerned about safety and standards, and this comes in, I'm just shaking my head like I don't believe it. I mean, does anybody else feel this way? Am I alone in this? Well, I think Jeff Clark hit it pretty good, just all economics, you know, because, I mean, they let it slip several times through that if you read the exemption where, it, it, Jeff, it it cost them a lot of money. You know, to 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 get them to to where the school is, and then when when they graduate, to I mean, who knows where they live? You know, fly them back or bus them back. I mean, they lose a lot of time, a lot of money, and everything. So I think your economics is, is you know plays a big part in that. I think yeah, the number it, about ten years ago was seven thousand dollars to replace a driver in a seat. When you start going through schooling, advertising, and everything else they're required. The, 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 that, no, no, this is over 10 years ago. The number was $7,000 to put a driver in a seat. And, and, that's, and what they, that's what they said. Well, well, but it, here, it, but so it's seven, not cheap. Okay, but here, it is cheap. Um, now, $7,000 is a lot of money. But the reason it's cheap is because if you have basically an indentured servant driving your truck, you mm-hmm. can pay them you know, a $30,000 wage, whereas the going rate for a company driver now is 50000 and above. And if you're, if you're paying somebody $30,000 and you replace them twice a year, it's it's a $44,000. Now, if you have an experienced driver that costs 50000 you're saving $6,000 by mm-hmm. turning drivers over. 
and now that, but you know, you know, I go back to what I went through my first year, and when I wrote that piece, going through what I went through my first year, I wouldn't have put up with it. And and what they have now is they've got a fifty thousand dollar driver that won't put up with it, or a thirty thousand so driver dollars drivers. You know, when you run out of $50,000 drivers and all you have is 30,000 drivers with no skill, no experience, you don't have a company that's viable. It's not, it's not going to operate. It's not long-term. They're not looking long-term. It's just right. for the exactly. moment. They don't this, see it, the skills we have. They don't want to see that Yeah, just to say what uh, Donna well, just expanded on that, everybody's looking for a job. Nobody's looking for a career. Exactly. Well, right. But, but, it's, but, but the, you know, when I, in 1988, when I graduated truck driving school, I got a job driving truck because of the truck driver shortage. And, you know, and Alan, you wrote that piece that was four years ago that I read. Same thing they're saying now. But what's happened now is you've had a slight uptick in the economy, and you get a double-edged sword because you need more drivers to move the freight. But also some of these drivers have... You know, some of these drivers came from someplace else. They used to be welders or bricklayers or whatever, and they couldn't. Then, and the bricklaying and welding jobs dried up. Well, when the economy picks up, you get more welding and bricklayers jobs, and some of the people that are leaving the industry to go back to their original career. And now, what's happened is it's come time for the um, carriers. They've run out of drivers, and it's you know it's their own fault. And, and okay. what this is, what they're doing is they're, they're working a way around it. They're trying to increase the supply by lowering the standards. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let me grab let, let me grab let me grab this private number here. Uh, I got a private message from Kate here. Uh, says she she might be able to answer a lot of our que- a lot of the questions here. And Donna, I don't see uh, I don't see Jeff on here, so I think Jeff he Parker. dropped. Okay. Dropped off. So, but anyway, uh, now I, I have I have two private numbers showing up. So, uh, let me try you, Kate. Is that is that you there? Is that me? Oh, that's you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks thanks for the message. Uh, the reason I don't do that is because a lot of times those are international calls and uh, it hasn't worked out well. But thanks for the private message and uh, welcome to the show. Why? Thank you. Um, so you. You said you might be able to answer some of our, our things we've been discussing here. Right. Basically what they're doing is I believe there's this new regulation that's taking place, and it's changing how they have to go about doing business. Prior to this new regulation that's taking place, they could have anyone come to any one of their schools across the country. They go into that state, and they had a, an agreement made with that state's um, DMV, that they could go ahead and get that temporary permit because they're going through schooling. They would then go through the schooling part with their permit. They are third-party testers for that state. They could then approve that. If they pass that test, they could send them back into the DMV. They could get a temporary permanent CDL, which would be good until they got to their home state. Depending on that state's requirements, they could just trade it in and get that state's CDL Class A, or some states made them take another skills test. So all they're doing is changing 
trying to get this exception because of the changing regulation. How they're going about doing business really isn't going to change. It's the regulation that's changing them. What is this regulation change that's coming? That might help us if we knew exactly what they were talking about changing it to. Because as it was before, you you could go to the school with a regular driver's license. You would go in, you would pass the written test, get your your temporary, then you would go take the, the training portion behind the wheel, which would consist of maybe two weeks. Then you could go back after you pass that skills test and get a permanent CDL. And then they could put them in the truck with their trainer and send them off to wherever and get them to their home state to get their permanent CDL transferred over within the, the, the allotted time. The new regulation is changing where you, my understanding, and I'm, I don't, I'm not, don't have it down perfectly, but my understanding is they have to go in and take the written exam and have a learner's permit before they ever go to the school. So if I lived in Arizona and I was going to go to the Utah school, I would need to go in and pass the written portion and have my permit, and I believe my, well, you have to have your physical too, before I ever went to that school. Well, that's the way it was in New York when I got my license 35 years ago. You had to first have your, take the written test and get your permit, and then you went out and got your training. Well, that's still the way it is. However, you could you could go to the school. You could how it would work is they would ship somebody in that wants to enroll in the school. They'd bus them in. They would go in and take the written exam at the state where the school is and get their permit. Then they would go out and do the skills portion because you can't go out on the road at all or be behind the wheel without having that permit. So then they would go out and do the skills portion, and when they passed the skills portion, then they could go into the state where the school is, and they would give them a temporary permanent Class A CDL. But the way it's working now with the new regulation changes, they would not be able to do that. They would have to have the permit before they went to the school, and they'd have to go back to their home state to get the permanent CDL. There would not be that that 30 days or 60 days mm-hmm. that they had during that time. Kate, can I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, who, are you with um, a company or are, are you a driver? Or you, you sound like pretty confident in all this, so I'm just curious. Um, I've been in the industry for about 15 years, and I've also gone through a couple of the schools. Okay. As a driver? I mean, you're a driver? Um, no, I'm not, actually. I went in undercover. Okay. Okay, that's good enough. I mean, you 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 seem to know an awful lot. I was just wondering, you know. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you got that much out of her, daughter. <laughs> hey, let me get let me get uh, Deb popped back up here, uh, North Dakota 701. Deb, is that you again? Yep, that's me again. <laughs> Hi, Deb. Okay, welcome Hi. welcome back. And uh, I know uh, the noise kind of seemed to die down. I've been trying to find where all the noise is coming from, but I just couldn't help it. So. Uh, okay. Uh, well, any any comments um, from what uh, what Kate has uh, advised us? Um, you know, things are so different now. And when I got my license, a lot of drivers didn't do it how I did it. Um, I went in and took the written test and got my permit basically to help my ex-husband on his logbook. He could use me on his logbook. Not that I was with him, but he could use me on his logbook. Mm-hmm. And 
then we were down on a harvest run, and one of the drivers disappeared, and I got thrown into a semi-truck. And the harvest run was basically how I learned how to drive. And when we got up to North Dakota, I went in and took the, the written exam and the driver's exam, and I passed. And I got my CDL. I never went to a school. And the drivers that I have heard that have gone to a school, I think I got way better training than they ever got. I mean, I got well, you real know what? world training. <laughs> I think it's a false sense of security is the schools. See, and that's just it. Because there's no standards, um, you know, who's really looking? Uh, you know, you've got a few organizations that oversee, but even those, once they're accepted into, you know, their standards, they don't really go back and check and see, well, how many people are still driving or or anything like that. So it's a full sense think they of security. I don't think but they probably. want to know. You know, and then the other thing, too, you know, Alan and Donna, you both have seen the pictures of what happened to my truck. Yeah. You know, and I don't know anything about that driver. All I know mm-hmm. is that when I saw this, I thought to myself, great, more reason to be scared of parking in a truck stop. You're going to have some driver out there who doesn't hardly even know how to back up, trying right. to get into a spot. I am still not looking forward to this. You know, and maybe, you know, maybe there are some student drivers out there who do get it, who do know how to do it. But the way I see people parking nowadays, I see trucks on ramps and stuff. It's almost like, you know, there are spots open in the truck stop. Well, evidently they can't back in. You know, how much of a skill set are they passing? You know, there's so many questions that have to go with this. You know, and I want to ask responsible. Who's going to be responsible for all of this crap that's going to come down the line and somebody gets killed? It's not going to just be CR England and that truck and that driver. It's going to come back on all of us and make the rest of us look like crap again. Well, see, the schools are just giving you enough qualification to get your license. That's the false assumption. People think I've gone through a school, I know how to drive. No, you went through a school to qualify to get a license. Then you go get trained. There are very few schools that go through the whole process that you're a driver when you leave the school. You're not a driver when you leave the school. You're qualified to move a vehicle. That's all it is. That's why you go through training with the company. Not only that, but, Alan, you did in Tampa. They have that truck driving school down there set up at the fairgrounds there. Right. And I've been I've been hauling fertilizer and pellets from the back roads coming in on the back roads like up three oh one, um, uh-huh. south of Tampa. And I've seen uh-huh. their trucks out there. It's freaking scary watching them. <laughs> it is scary watching them. And yeah. I don't know how accredited that school is. All I know is that when I see them, I, I panic. Whenever I see a truck that's a student driver on it, I'm like, okay, is there any way I can get off this road? Yeah, and they're one of the big ones, too. You know, one, uh, yeah. here's, here's, some, here's something interesting, too. Eddie Gachui's in the uh, chat room, Donna, and uh, he, he's kind of reiterating what we were saying earlier. He, he says it appears to him that allowing this exemption to CR England will create a loophole where permit holders can pull commercial loads on their premise that they are heading to their home state to get a CDL. And I think that goes right back to Jeff Clark's economics idea. Now, Kate, she makes a really interesting comment in the chat room. Kate says, 
England only pays these student drivers 12 cents per mile. It has nothing to do with helping the driver. 12 cents a mile? You've got to be kidding me. Good look. How do they survive? How do you live on that? They don't. 12 cents. How do you you pay your rent? They don't. You don't. Yeah. No, this is is how it's hurting the industry. You've got you've got these big companies that are selling the American dream to to people in in less fortunate situations where they're going to go have this great career, and unfortunately, recruiters are selling them things that aren't actually accurate. You know, you're going to get paid while you're being trained. Well, so that's great, but they're only getting paid twelve cents a mile. You know, you're going to be able to go home after two weeks. No, you're going home after four months. So they get a bad taste in their mouth, and there are a lot of students out there, I'd call them students that are not, you know, novice drivers, that could very well with proper training become an asset to the industry. But because they are handled so poorly in the beginning, they get a bad taste in their mouth and they go away. And then and, they and, want us to they want us to encourage people to come into this industry. I'm sorry, I can't do that. I cannot encourage anybody to come into this industry until we get this figured out. All these, but this all, is, bonus, all these bonuses that they advertise, are they just using that as a law but never actually give out those bonuses because nobody ever lasts long enough to get them? The sign-on no. bonus? Yeah. yeah, Alan wrote a big thing about sign-on bonus. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting here listening, Donna. This is this is nothing new. We all know this. Everybody online here and listening knows that none of this is – this is nothing new. I mean, my – the, my very first thing that I did on the internet was the Truth About Trucking ebook. It talks about all this that we're still talking about today. So, uh, I mean, and sign-on bonuses was. I mean, I remember it saying you usually don't stay on long enough to get your sign-on bonus. No, you don't get it. I mean, thirty-seven <laughs> years of driving, I never got a sign-on bonus. Pumping people up for these jobs, and then when they get into them, they realize, you know, this is just a big scam, and then they 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 leave. I mean, so really, it's almost like she seems. If you listen to what we're saying here, we're kind of self-perpetuating the same thing. The thing is, this isn't a job, and when you introduce it as a job, when you try and bring it in as a job, it's a career. Okay, a job is nine to five. Okay, military's career, policeman's a career, because your your life is in this career. Okay, you, you're not a normal person once you're a truck driver. You 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 change your life. Everything about your I life has to be, be different. Um, well, you're not home every night, are you? Um, the, the you know the the rare truck driver that's home every night, and the ones that are home are up at four o'clock in the morning. They're home. They're back by dark. They're not really. Yeah. I mean, we our lives are changed to do this. This is why we we don't choose it to do that, but but that's what happens. The sad fact is that everything you're talking about in the trucking industry is happening in just about every industry throughout the country where people are just becoming low-paid servants, and there's no real sense of careers out there. There's no careers out there anymore. People can go get one and earn a living wage. I mean, even kids coming out of college are coming out of college with huge debts and finding no jobs or $35,000 a year jobs, and they can't pay back their student loans. I mean, this is a, a, an epidemic going throughout the whole country in just about every uh, field, and it, it, it's really perpetuated by these major corporations that took these jobs from America, and the whole philosophy is now 
Just get the lowest paid people you can. This is where we're going to save the money. Uh, we're going to save the money on, on human resources. Uh, so it's just not a truck driving thing. It's, a, it's a, you know, it's, it's in every field just about, except, you know, for a few of the government service jobs and, you know, medical jobs and things like that. But I need to ask people, a question. I need to ask a question. We know what the problem is. We know what the problem is. We can talk about the problem until we're blue in the face. Is there actually any way to change this problem? Kate knows what the problem is. I want to hear from her. Is there any way to make change to change this problem? You know, somebody made mention of it. I believe the best way to do that is take the schools away from the trucking companies. You know, we've got the big boys is what I refer to them as, and they end up being – you know, diverse. I mean, England has the leasing company and they have a, a school and, you know, all, Swift, all of these guys do this. And what they're doing is it's, to me, a conflict of interest. If we had the school separate from the trucking company, I think that would help because it's not it's not a pipeline into their driver pool per se. You know, it's it's training the student the right way. You know, there's community colleges and, and different places that offer a really good truck driver training program, but nobody goes through that because it's it costs money and it takes time. And the big boys are going out. They're saying you can be behind the wheel in your new career making $35,000 a year in two weeks, and, and that's not the way it is. And we've got and people a, behind the wheel that shouldn't be at the time. And that's the sad well, part because Kate, Kate hit on it real good. And we've we've been talking and discussing this for years as well. Nothing has changed. I mean, they <clears throat> they they attack your personal dreams. I mean, you know, they pull you in. You know, hey, see the country, get paid while you're doing it, make thirty five thousand a year, and they throw all this stuff on you, knowing very well that in six months they're going to be pushing you out just to get a new new uh, new set of driver, you know, student drivers coming in. We've talked about the government subsidies. I mean, all this stuff plays in part, but Donna, I mean, like Deb was saying, we can keep talking about it, but what, what's the action? Well, that's, you know, and that's what we're schools. hoping for. Mm-hmm. What is it? You go to one school and they charge you, uh, you know, $3,000, and another school charges you 11000 What's the difference? The student knows doesn't know the difference. They don't understand. That $11,000 school will put you out as a driver. That $3,000 school, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, standardization is what's going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. Starts, at, starts at the bottom, right? The, the, the drivers, trainers, schools, they all need to be standardized. As much as we don't like regulations, it's the only thing that's going to solve. Well, well, you know, we all stand it for medical examiners, but not for driver trainers. Yeah, you know, they you know we and we forgot we 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 forgot about the part of why they don't last too. What about getting those new those new drivers and and um, talking them into a lease purchase? And oh, how long does that know. last before they've lost everything? Oh, don't even mm. talk to me about that one. <laughs> okay, okay. Alan, that, Alan, that, that, that's well, a nightmare yeah. in and of itself. I mean, they start out lied to. You know, they, they're told it's a job. It's not a job. They're told that they'll be, they'll be here. I mean, it's one lie after another. If they do manage to succeed and become a company driver for any length of months, there you go, lease. Let's get them to the next level of lie. 
it, 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 you know, there, there is no incentive here. There's no incentive to keep anybody. They, everything they do is to push them out. Those of us that have got 20 years in it are rare. And and that's the irony about them crying over a shortage and retention. How can we've actually had people, and I'm sure many on this line also have been contacted by recruiters. Hey, can you tell us how, good ways to retain drivers? Uh, you, are you kidding? Really? You don't know? They don't want to retain them in the first place. I was reading a, I was looking at a. a uh, an ad for a job the other day on the online for a for a recruiter for a trucking recruiter, and uh, it was very adamant about they had to meet their quota, they had to meet their daily, weekly, and monthly quota. I mean, quota just kept coming up and up. So, I mean, it, 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 Donna, this the industry. I mean, this is like. I mean, if you go to the truthabouttrucking.com page, you're going to, you're going to see all this stuff that I wrote about and pushed out there on the internet, uh, you know, in 1999-2000. So, I mean, it's kind of disheartening to to hear that this stuff is still going on. But uh, I mean, I guess it's still good to hear. But uh, well, now, well, that's the whole point of the of the NADA site. We are hoping and anticipating many companies will come up to the plate and say, you know what, this is what we're going to do to address this problem. And then we can highlight them. I'm sorry? Have you reached out to companies? Well, we just launched last night. (laughs) So, So, (laughs) Alan, this is Tom again. Uh, Yeah. Something that I think that has been brought up several times, I'm trying to jump in a few different times to bring it up, and I think we're skirting around it. I think there's something else that we can do as an industry is to increase our level of professionalism and to increase our value. Yes, I think we need to increase the regulation on the schools. I think we need to work towards better and more consistent pay across the board and things like that. But I think a lot of it is our professionalism. I mean, if you go through the truck stops and see how some of these drivers act, whether they're experienced or whether they're newbies, how they look, how they dress, would you want to pay them fifty to $100,000 a year? Well, I could take that a step further, Tom. And and I want to pick on Henry Albert for a second. (laughs) Would you rather pay him or some of these other drivers $100,000? All right. I'll go let Henry answer it in a minute. But why are they getting hired and allowed to dress like that? Because they are being paid low wages, so they tolerate it. Okay, Henry, you, you take the floor. I don't know if Henry's still here, but my point is, Donna, is if we want to be paid higher, we need to start holding ourselves to a higher standard. Oh, we absolutely. Need to our value, and, and that's the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't matter if they hired me looking like a schlop or not, or a schlub. If I want to be, if I want to be higher paid, I'm going to need to start going in dressed like the CEO rather than the driver. Hey, Alan, we still haven't yeah. got to the point. My my deal here, I hear what you're saying, everybody's saying, but understand this. We can talk to the, to the sun and the moon come up over and down again and again, but we are stronger in numbers. The only way you're going to get anybody, any big trucking company or FMCSA or the government to listen to you is have a power group behind you. 
And the way to get a power group behind you is to join an organization like yours that y'all have, like Truth About Trucking, and get the numbers behind you. So when you go talk to these people and you talk to a congressman or you talk to the government or somebody at FMCSA, you can say, hey, this is how many people is behind me. This is how many drivers that wants to straighten this mess up and get this thing corrected instead of you running these kids and getting them killed out here on the interstate and getting other people killed. They want to, you to make these people a career. So they'll have a job and a security blanket from the from the time they start to the time they quit. There it is. Well, you know, and that's that's a good point. And there are, you know, uh, organizations out there. Um, ours, ours is more of like let's get the industry together. We just recently uh, took on Rich Wilson as the um, regulations and compliance representative. Uh, he will be going to uh, Washington, and he has been. And he does fight very hard. One of his big things was to try to get drivers to go to these mixac meetings uh, with him. And because of, you know, the lack of parking and how difficult it is for drivers to to get there, um, you know, it, it, it's it's a tough game. So he's been going up taking comments from people. And and uh, in the beginning, he was allowed to read the comments to the MCSAC committee, okay? And they stopped that, which was very disappointing because he'd go up and say so-and-so from so-and-so wants mm-hmm. to know. And for some reason, they have just disallowed that but that's not to say that he can't get get the majority of emails and the consensus of what people are thinking and feeling and go and make his comments you know i don't i don't know you know i I, i'll be honest with everybody this show has made me really frustrated Mm -hmm. i mean because um and I, I don't mean to keep harping on what, you know, I did. Me, me, I don't mean it that way. I just mean that we've been talking about this. This is this is how Truth About Trucking got started, was talking about the things that Kate was saying about the, uh, you know, the, the CDL mills and, and pushing people into owner-operator lease programs and, and all this kind of stuff. So it, it's, it's kind of fr- frustrating to... To just kind of keep hearing the same thing same over thing. and over. Somebody said, "How do we change this?" I mean, I don't know. I mean, is this industry so powerful? I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated. <laughs> you know what Go ahead, John. Where, where where I mean, how many of these Alan? accidents would be yes. inexperienced? Alan, Hello? Yes. I gotta, okay. I gotta go. I gotta oh, okay. let you guys go because I gotta stay out. I want to say one last thing real quick. Sure. Um, you all know that I was involved where I got hit by a driver who took off and ran. Not uh-huh. even a truck on foot. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I still, I will never know anything about that driver. I I might know why, but even that, that's probably not even going to happen. But if as long as we allow drivers like that into our industry, I'm just going to shake my head and can't wait to walk away. It's making me very, very unhappy. Like you, and yeah. very scared out here. Very, very scared out here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I know. And hire drivers like that. There's no price to pay. Right. Yeah, I gotta let right. you go now. Good night, guys. Good night, Deb. Okay. okay thank. Thanks, Deb. When they get into an accident, 
uh, they're called into they're, they may be or may not be called into the office, but they get to talk to the safety director. Or, or did you have an accident? Yes. Was it your fault? Yes. Okay. Uh, don't let it happen again. Well, you know when you tr- when you're treated like that, an accident's no big deal. I'm listening to these guys come out of school and they look at the truck, see that scratch? That's my battle scar. They're proud of the accidents they have. Okay, this is Which is surprising with CSA. I mean, I mean, the, the company is going to get points. The driver's going to get points. And, um, you know, I'm just surprised how, to hear how, that. How come they don't see that. This data? How come nobody's putting this data out there? I mean, you have all this talk about I've been seeing articles about all these accidents lately, but I don't see them. Any of these accidents blame actually the cause was fatigue, or the driver was over the hours of service limits, or there was speeding involved. But I see all these accidents, and you telling me that none of these accidents are the result of inexperience. Why don't these? The numbers get out there so that they can I, see what the, what's the real cause of these accidents rather than this made-up stuff they keep coming out with, uh, you know, with the hours of service and everything else. I mean, they're not getting to the heart of the problem. Well, you're absolutely right. These stats, you can't be found. And somebody said, I can't remember uh, tonight, somebody said, well, the companies have those stats. I think it was Tom. Tom yes, McGraldy? Yes. Okay. And yeah. but so why... I mean, I don't know. Subpoena is a strong word, but you know, why can't they make because them hand those over? I mean, of course, they could it, just it, make up. It's I guess it's profitable to them to share it. it. It's privileged information. Uh, my company just took spot mirrors off their trucks because they said it was making drivers complacent. What? You don't take a tool off that's good. You 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 you, you teach a driver how to use it. But I, I, what they I take know, off? All six, our hood spot mirrors. Six thousand. Oh, I don't know what they that is. All the, 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 it's a, a mirror that sits on your hood to give you a better view alongside you. It takes away your blind spot. Right. Fender mirror. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Fender, I, I, and, and they took them off because because they, they, they said drivers are getting complacent. No, you just want an I, idiot driver. You want a driver to just sit here and hold the steering wheel. Don't give them nothing. I don't, they, I don't have fender mirrors on my truck. Uh, well, there's a lot of companies that don't have them, but you know, once you've had it, I'm an owner operator. Got, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> that's still a choice. Let me grab a uh, <clears throat> let me grab caller from Ohio, area code uh, area code two one six Ohio. Welcome to the show. Hi, how's everybody tonight? Uh, good. Who we have here? Uh, I'm James. I'm out of Cleveland. James. And uh, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much. Interesting program. I just want to give you a little bit, uh, little story about what happened to me back in 1979. Um, I was uh, driving. A, uh, here's what happened. I had a girlfriend. I was looking for a summer job while I was going to college, and uh, her, her a friend of hers, dad, drove a um, uh, a van line furniture moving uh, truck. It was a cab over. And uh-huh. uh, he asked me if I, you know, he knew, they talked to each other and asked me if I wanted to co-drive with them. So back then you didn't need anything, I think, because I didn't have anything. I just had my driver's license. And uh, wow. now I've always, I've always been a good driver, and I fly, I was flying the airplanes too uh, at, at school uh, during the year, uh, learned, getting a pilot license. But uh, 
so here's how here's what happened. So I said, yeah, sure, for the summer it'd be great. So um, he said, all right. So he, you know, he picked me up. We uh, we head down the road. He showed me a few things. Uh, you know how to shift. That was a ten speed, I think. Uh, I think it was the International Harbor. Showed me how to how to shift the gears and stuff like that. Pulled off to the side of the road. He goes, okay, uh, give it a shot. So I hopped to the driver's seat and. Uh, Took it down the road for about, uh, I would say, no no more than 20 minutes, a half an hour. And uh, he said, okay, you know what you're doing. He hopped in the back and went to sleep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, drove that yeah. truck, I drove two summers, and I drove that truck. We did the southern southern route. And I drove that truck through Taos, New Mexico, through, you know, all through Arizona, all through the mountains, up into California. I mean, I learned. That's how I learned. But I had I was a good driver, you know, I had skills as far as I, I think some some people are better drivers than others, of course. But that's how I learned. I had no accidents. Uh you know, so you know, I went on to get a couple of masters degrees. Now, of course, uh, I'm retired and I'm thinking about getting back into trucking. The problem is there's no money and they make you jump through all these hoops for education. Uh, you know, Go through the school like we're talking about. I think there needs to be a, a balance, some kind of balance, and uh, and how to go about that. I mean, I guess when the Teamsters screwed everything up and kind of put you know put the whole trucking industry down, you know, down the down a poor path. But anything, what do you guys think? Well, you make a good point because I mean, you know, I I grand I grandfathered in. A lot of us grandfathered in when they uh, came out with the CDL. But uh, I did the same way. I mean, I don't know anything about a CDL school. I mean, I was just, I had, I was working for a company in uh, Kansas, and the guy, he just asked me, well, you know how to drive a semi, and I didn't want to say that I didn't, so I said, sure. And he threw me in a semi, and I went down the road, and that's, you know, I basically taught myself, and uh, that's uh, that's between four and five million safe miles ago, so I kind of scratch my head on all these schools, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know, Donna. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like I think it's almost like the the CDL schools have have cre- really have created the the unsafety factor. That, that's what I was saying. Because it's all about money. Well, it's it's okay. It, I'm I'm seeing a, a big a big thing in front of me right now. Years ago, the pay was better. Years ago, we had a whole different outlook on life, okay? The, think about the... Different the, generation. Yes, the country in general, okay? The way people did things, their work ethics, um, the the idea of sacrificing, okay? And now, what do you have? The pay is just about the same, probably, of, as when you started. So the the pay is horrible, okay? Now you have people who are desperate, not really looking for a career, but wanting a job, and, and they're just, you know, taking whatever they can. And uh, it's just a whole different type you know, of person. You know, you know, you know what I think he got out there? I think he got millions of people looking for jobs to pay a living wage, and they all disappeared. I mean, and, and that's the big problem. Years ago, we had more of a blue-collar, uh, you know, uh, culture in, in this country 
People got jobs in manufacturing. People became truck drivers, taxi cab drivers, police officers. They earned a living wage off of this. They went on and bought a house. They started a family. They had a few dollars to put away in the bank and everything else. And and this is how they survived. Now you go out there, you work, you come home with nickels and dimes in your pockets, and you use credit cards to pay for all your goodies. And people end up in debt. They have no money. They're just searching for a job. All they want out of employees is a decent wage. I think it's the same thing with truck driving. They hear all these big numbers, and they try to get into it. And then once they get into it, they realize, I'm never home, and I don't make any money. And that's the end of it. And they move on. And it, you, you all said the same thing about how you started. Somebody was willing to step up and say, I'll give you a shot. All right? Yeah. They put you in a truck and said drive because they've stuck their reputation on the line knowing you could do it. So somebody yeah. had to be willing to step up and, and, and take a chance. There's no, right. there's no price to pay now. If you get in a truck, nobody pays if you screw up. If you screwed up, that guy would have paid. You know, sure. When we started, somebody taught us. Somebody told us, get in that truck, I'm taking a chance on you. And, and, and they were taking a chance. There's, there's nobody taking a chance when they stick somebody in a truck now. Nobody pays if that driver's a screw-up. You know, and I have a question for you. Yeah, hold on. Is that you, Tom? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, go I ahead. I kind of noticed with several of these people who said, you know, going from the Henry and the caller, Ohio, and yourself, who, who did this. But the one question I do have is, obviously, like Donna said, the culture between then and now is different. But do you also think that the fact that the roads are extremely busier now, you've got people, whether it's truck drivers, cars, et cetera, all driving like idiots in a rush to get someplace, do you think the fact that the traffic, both congestion, speeds, and everything else is much greater in many respects back in the 70s is also affecting some of the accident rates and things of that nature, just not, not just the training itself? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, too, because you didn't have interstate then. People were running well, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that play in it. I mean, sure, that would play in it. I mean, uh, compounding regulations play in it. You know, I mean, there's a, all those factors. I mean, surely have you know play play a part in all that as well. But it's just it's just. Uh, I mean, Kate made a Kate made a good point in the you know in the chat room. Deregulation changed things. You know, I mean, we can all agree with that probably deregulation, but. It's it's an attitude more of what I see today that just has just really brought the trucking industry down, and it doesn't seem like the motor carriers or anybody's interested in changing that. You know, I I, I, I don't know. I was saying earlier, until we're interested in changing ourselves, why right. should a motor carrier carrier be interested in changing? You know, if you're exactly. interested exactly. in taking responsibility for our own personal actions. Why is anybody else going to care? And that's the first thing. Is you know, yes, it's accountability, but one of the first things you have to do is take charge of yourself. Am I still on the well, line? Well, well said, well, Tom. The, this is this is James. Am I still on the, the line? One that, yeah. The yeah, one yeah, thing that yeah, James, go ahead. Add in here. I just want to say this. Um, I think we can okay. sit like around that. and talk. Hold, hold on, just hold on, just a second, everybody. James, go ahead, and then we'll get uh, whoever that other was, and then we'll be winding it down here. But James, go ahead. No, um, if, if we can go back to some type of mentor system for people that have been in the industry for years and uh, and really care about their profession, to take on someone and train them versus a school like we're talking about. 
I, you know, there's no better experience than, I mean, no better education than, you know, hands-on experience. If you're being trained by a mentor, someone mm-hmm. that, you know, that takes you on and, and says, hey, I, I think you got the qualities to do it. Let me teach you the way. You know, for and say, you know, maybe put out a regulation. They have to drive with the driver for a year or something. You know. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, James, because um, I believe uh, on on the NADA site there's a article from Rich Wilson called CDL Training, and it talks about uh, a mentoring system. Um, I think there's about nine or ten articles up there now. They're great articles. Um, you know, we just got great people. Uh, in 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 this uh, movement right now, I appreciate all of you, um, and I'm going to announce all your names at the end of the show too. So, <laughs> but there is an article that mentions that, and yeah, that that is a great a great idea. I'm not sure is Jeff Clark still on? Uh, I think. Let me look. I think. Uh, I think he dropped off a little okay. while ago. Well, you know, I just started thinking. We never did get to the the camera in the cab. Well, I mean, we just we throw we throw up ideas. Huh? The one, one thing that I wanted to inject here is um, this is Les Willis. Yeah. We can sit around and we can, and I'm I'm on level with Alan here. We can sit around and we can talk about all of all the things that are wrong, but and we can talk about generational differences. We can talk about pay structure. We we can talk about all kinds of things, but the one constant that has never changed. You can always contact your congressman. You can always comment at FMCSA. You've got to make your voices heard. Until that happens, nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change to better the drivers that we are operating in this industry until somebody raises their voice. They've got people they hire, these trucking companies. They go down there. I mean, look at all the the loitering that these these trucking companies they put up there. Until we, as drivers, as an industry, jump up and make our voices heard, we're silent. We can sit around here and talk all day, like I said. Right. But until somebody gets together and starts commenting on FMCSA, write your senator, write your representative, you know, show up. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So until somebody starts standing up and making a noise and, and using their voice to, be, to for the betterment of our industry, it's going to stay the same way it is today. Nothing. Unless will that's what we're hoping for, that people will become very actively involved with this website in the forum. Um, we know Rich goes there to all the meetings, and he does get frustrated that, you know, he asks people to come with him. Well, you know, if if people can get together and and tell him and write in the forum we're going to get a lot of people in that forum on there and and it's a closed forum they you know they have more they, you don't have to worry about things like in an open forum and it's got rules and it's for real serious people concerned in the industry it's it's not your average facebook uh, person so you know the, you're you're so right that you know I want to jump up and down and if everybody can get on that same vision that you just spoke about, then, um, I mean, they don't have to join NADA. They can do it on their own. They can write their congressman on their own and, and all like that. But it's always nice to be with a group of like-minded people who, who think like you do and who can support and encourage. So, I mean, what you just said was such an encouragement right now. Yeah, and 
I mean, it's the action, Don, is what Les is saying, is it's take the action, and that's the hope with NADA, to take action, uh, but in a professional way that would help drivers and the industry as well. So we got it launched, and we're going to see just uh, how it goes. Got a lot of great people on board. So, Uh hey, our time is winding down. We'll take a quick break and be back and uh, wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Stay with us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers.com, be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Donna, do you have some announcements? Oh, you may be on mute. Uh, I think you're on mute. Hello? There you are. Oh, no, I hit the off button. I wasn't on mute. I was gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're winding it down here, but I thought, did you say you had some well, announcements? I want, Tom, are you still on there, Tom Kirk? Yeah, let me pull him up yep, here real Donna. quick. There he is. <laughs> Did you find out about Tony and and um, <clears throat> Lindsay Waller? Uh, I didn't get total confirmation on both of them. I'll give you what information I have about both of them. Uh, okay, sounds good. Tony, Tony Justice uh, supposed, is supposed to be out before Christmas at most truck stops. We're, lo- we're losing you, from, Tom. Can you hear me now? Okay, yeah, that's Hello? good. Uh, I, I believe that uh, Tony has a double CD set that should be out just before Christmas. It's his Apple Pie Moonshine, and I can't remember the name of the first one. Now. On the road. The, uh, on the road. On the road. It'll be the Gearhammer right. special. Uh, it's twelve ninety nine, if I remember correctly, for the price point. Uh, it should be in truck stops soon. I think C.A. Petro and Pilot 
uh, flying J are confirmed. I think was, but please don't hold me to that last one. Uh, but that will be okay. on just before Christmas. And obviously, as he is a fellow driver, it would be great if we all would support him. Uh, secondly, Lindsay Lawler, uh, well, she's not a driver. It, she is big in supporting drivers for the uh, TCA's Highway Angel program. Right, uh, she's right. She's got a CD, CD that's um, in pre-release now. She's taking pre-orders for that. Uh, you can get that at Lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R.com. Um, both of them actually were gracious enough at Gats to give me an interview. I just relaunched protestedliving.com last night, um, and Tony Justice has an interview on there as one of my kickoff interviews. Lindsay's will be on next week. Uh, Brad James and Emily Waymouth should also be for later this month as well. And great. And and Tom's another author and contributor who hasn't submitted his article yet for the North American Trucking Alerts. <laughs> yeah, Donna, get in line. Get in line. <laughs> Every, everybody wants an article. And right now i got to get my website up and running, and then, then you'll get yours. I know, I know. I know it's coming. It's going to be a good one on health. Uh, I, I actually, I think I, based on the conversation, I, I actually think I know what it's going to be. It's going to be related to health. It's going to be a little bit different. So, okay, I can't wait. Very useful. I can't wait. But the other All right, thing thanks, is- Tom. Oh, 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 let me get you back on here. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. The other thing, the other thing, real quick, is if people would go out and check out RoadTestedLiving.com through the partnership of a bunch of great sponsors. Uh, I have some pickoff contests for the month of uh, month of December, so uh, please check out the website as well as look at, at us for us on Facebook, which is Road Tested Living without the G. Without the G, okay. All right, sounds good, Donna. A few little minutes here left. Did you have anything else? Well, I just to wanted share? I just wanted to um, hold on a second. Uh, oh, she didn't want to cough in everybody's ear. Yeah, okay, there? I had to cough. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I just wanted to reiterate everything we've been talking about tonight. We are excited. The official launch was last night um, for NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com. Um, it is a, a, a movement to um, spread awareness in the trucking industry, focus, focusing on uh, issues of professional drivers, the ones they encounter, and ultimately these issues that we're discussing tonight, okay, and more, they ultimately affect the whole industry. And, you know, although a lot of people argue they don't want FMCSA getting involved in their business and this and that, well, the truth is, unless the entire everybody who makes up the industry can address and um, resolve these issues themselves, well, the government does get involved, I mean, because that's just what happens. So anyway, if we can support uh, and and have actions for both drivers and industry leaders alike, uh, NADA will aim to um, educate those within trucking, educate the general public, and emphasize the importance of the professional driver as the focal point of, of it all. Um, we do, the North American Trucking Alerts wants to highlight the members involved uh, in trucking who are actively contributing and taking the necessary action to help resolve these um, extremely vital concerns. 
and thus working towards improving the whole entire trucking industry. So drivers get on the site. It's free for the month of December. And then after December, it's really not that much anyway. It's only $15. Uh, But if you join in December, you'll have an entire year free to test it out, see if you like it. And then if you don't like it, you know, you've had it a year free. So you'll be able to participate in the closed forum, apply as a contributing author, um, and uh, and you'll have sponsored discounts also, which is always a nice thing. So I just want to um, introduce the, the founders of North American Trucking Alerts to everybody. There's, um, there's Alan and Hal Kaya and John Burnett, myself, and then our, our um, authors so far. We've got some great articles up there. We've got Jeff Clark. James Lamb, Henry Albert, Linda Cathy, Tom Kirk, Alan Smith, Hal Kaya, Brian Carlson, Jeff Barker, Richard Wilson, and Tom Ingroldi. And and they've got some great, great pieces up there right now for you to read. Get in the forum, start making your comments, and as Les said tonight, you, you've got to have a voice and come together, and we are hoping that this website will do just that, like-minded people getting together in the forum. And um, again, we have uh, Rich Wilson as the regulation and compliance representative for North American Trucking Alerts. Um, He goes to Washington, he goes to the MixAC meetings, and he is uh, a huge voice for uh, the trucking industry, specifically truck drivers. So get over to NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com. Just feel it out, look around, sign up for your free membership, and go in the forum and, and start a thread, um, put your ideas in, and, you know, it, it's just kind of like a domino effect. Once it gets going, it's going to get going. We have a lot of wonderful people um, coming on board. Um, I think that's all Tom gave my other announcements out. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. And... I'm looking. I'm looking down my list. It looks like we've covered everything here. That it? All right. Well, I just oh, I just want if if you want information, there's, <laughs> you do that to me I every know. time. I know. It's I almost did. like a setup. <laughs> it is a setup. Let me see. How can I make Alan look really stupid? <laughs> okay. But anyway, uh, if you need more information, it's on the website. Just go to the contact us uh, page, or or you can just go to North American Trucking Alerts at gmail dot com. Okay, I, I will, I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> all right, great show. Thanks for all the callers and everybody. Um, uh, those in the chat room, Eddie, uh, Eddie Gachui, good to see you again. Kate, Tom, John, Les, all uh, oh, everybody. Hey, great show. Appreciate the input. Uh, we will. Uh, let's see. Everybody knows about is pretty much knows about your text alerts, right? And I put yeah. that in the show too. Oh, I want to apologize to people who got like five alerts tonight on their phone it looked like it wasn't going through so i kept sending them until i realized when tom told me yeah i've got like four of them five of them or something <laughs> and i was like oh through, my, huh? my goodness okay so i do apologize if you if you ended up with five alerts on your phone tonight um it wasn't on purpose and we didn't get to the um to the article that uh, Jeff had written about the cameras in the cab, and I was really wanting to get into that tonight, but we kind of stuck with the whole uh, 
the whole FMCSA exemption, CDL exemption uh, topic tonight. But um, hopefully next week, I love these open forums because there's always such great, you know, um, information to be shared. So hopefully we'll get with that next week. We will do it. So thanks again for listening and tuning in, everybody. In, uh, in everybody. Really appreciate it. So until next time, uh, hey, I, hey, I'll, okay, we'll leave them with, uh, hey, how about Tony Justice? Oh, you have TonyJusticeMusic.com. Uh, check it out, one of our fellow drivers. And uh, like I said, his CDs are sold in uh, most of the truck stops across the nation. So we'll leave you with Tony Justice, Peterbilt 379. Until next time. For Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe. And thanks for listening. I've got two live books, I've got a record to keep. I got a one on my dashboard on the sea. I got the chrome polished up and she's a looking girl. Get you there, my son of Peter Bill.